Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Independent Author Podcast. I'm Tom Kranz. In today's very special episode, we meet Rupert Jones, Major League Baseball star of the 70s and 80s. He's a two-time All-Star, World Series champion, and traumatic brain injury survivor. Rupert's book, Never Give Up, a memoir of baseball and traumatic brain injury, tells the incredible story of one of baseball's hottest players of his time. With 147 career home runs and more than 1,100 hits, and how one fateful fly ball almost ended his life and his career. Today, his experience of perseverance with the help of good friends, a good wife, and his faith provides hope and inspiration to those with brain injuries and mental health issues. It's also a great baseball story. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, presenting uh, Mr. Rupert Jones, uh, who is, as I said in my introduction, uh, he is a uh, he was a career baseball player for let's see eleven years I think he played right Rupert yes yes and 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 he played he he started out as a talented high school athlete playing both uh, well, baseball football and basketball so you played in I guess it was nine was it eight or nine major league teams correct or was it more six six where did I, where did I, I played the Kansas City Royals right I played for. Seattle Mariners, right? New York, New York Yankees, San Diego Padres, Detroit Tigers, and the California Angels. And you were the in 1976. You were the first player uh, drafted when the Major League Baseball expanded, basically. And you were that was the year you were drafted by the Mariners, correct? Yes, it was. As a matter of fact, uh, I, I I was in South America when I found out that I was that I was actually picked up in the expansion draft. I had, you know, I, I really didn't have a clue that there was, there was expansion coming coming that year. Hmm. That's how that's how up to up to date I was. And then I found out that uh, yes, you got picked by Seattle Mariners as the, in the first pick, and that really really kind of like got me out of a situation in Kansas City where where it was not going to be good because they had a lot of good players in Kansas City, and I I don't think I would have played the following year like I did in Seattle. Is it safe to say that you still have a soft spot in your heart for Seattle? Yes, without a doubt, because they gave me opportunity. I lived there for three years. I really enjoyed my life there. Uh, but I found a place called San Diego, <laughs> and that changed everything. Let's fast forward to you. You were a, a, a very successful baseball player. You were an all-star twice. You played on the World Series Detroit Tigers in 84, was that? 1984. Yeah. So you've seen the good parts and the bad parts of baseball, but I venture to say more good parts because you were a great player. No doubt about that. 1980, you were shagging that fly ball and uh, just set the scene for us. You were playing for the Yankees and you were at the Oakland Coliseum, which as you described in your book was not one of your favorite ballparks, I guess. And so there you were in center field and what happened? The only thing I remember is Tony Armour's coming to the plate in the first inning. I don't remember what, what happened with the first two hitters. I just know that Tony Armour's came to the plate. Uh, Tommy John threw him a sinker that didn't sink. <laughs> and as soon as he threw it, I knew it wasn't going to sink. So I start, I, you know, I hit it towards left center field. Tommy, Tommy liked for me to play everybody in right center field because when he threw his sinker, if they hit it well, the right hand would hit the ball to the opposite field. If they tried to pull it, they would hit ground balls as third base or ground balls as shortstop. So 
he had me play right center field. But as soon as he threw it, I knew that was not going to be in right center field. So I took off the left center field. So you could tell before he even struck the ball where it was going to go. And so that's when you started moving. Yes, sir. So you started moving and then the ball's coming towards you. And then what? And that's it. I woke that's up. In the remember? I woke up in the hospital. So you found out later, of course, that you basically ran into the center field wall, which in those days, I guess there was no cyclone fence. There was no padding. What was it? Just concrete? Uh, it was not padded. Oakland, Oakland's wall was not padded. And so uh, from what I understand, they said I, I caught up to the ball, but I tripped. So I kind of like lost my balance and I, that's right. when I ran into the wall. Okay. And so you ran into the wall with your shoulder and your head, basically. Yes, sir. And so for, it sounds to me like, of course, this was back in 1980 when we didn't know nearly as much as we do today about things like concussions, traumatic brain injuries, the whole idea that athletes, you know, are suffering from this was not anywhere near as publicized as it was to, as it is today. So it sounds like they spent a lot of time diagnosing and treating your shoulder and that's kind of what you were dealing with. You, you spent all those nights in your recliner uh, because you couldn't lie on your shoulder. And, and it, it was most comfortable being that way. And little did you know that, you know, it would be your what, what happened inside your noggin that would be plaguing you for, for the longer time, correct? Uh, yes, I had no clue. As a matter of fact, my life actually and my a lot of things changed, but when you have a head injury, a lot of times you are not aware of your, or you're not aware of the changes that, that occur inside you, because what you were before, you may not be the same person now, but you can't equate the two personalities. And okay? it seemed what I read and and what you wrote was that that's exactly what happened. You seem to become a different person, almost. I mean, I guess maybe not the moment you woke up, but, you know, you started, you know, you started, you even said that you reported to, I guess it was training camp, spring training, and you knew something wasn't right. It didn't feel right. Uh, you didn't, you weren't sleeping right. There was a whole bunch of things that checked off. Not right, not right, not right. So you knew something was up, but you weren't sure what that was. Is that fair? Exactly. Exactly. And that was uh, 1981. But of course, you know, again, you're not aware of your, of your you know, you're not aware consciously of, of, of things, but you are aware that something's different. What they are, you don't know. And they so that, 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 that drove you crazy, I guess, right? You couldn't figure out, you knew something was different, but you didn't know what it was, right? It didn't drive me crazy because it, it, the, the effects of it got worse over the years, Okay. But I could tell that playing baseball was not the, was not the same anymore. Mm-hmm. Okay, I didn't have the same I didn't have the same ability to 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 do some of the things that I had before. I had the ability to play, but I didn't have that, that ability to do some of the things that I did before. So you didn't feel like you were sharp. Maybe is that the right way to no, put sir. that? No, okay, sir. I was not sharp. And so as part of this evolution, I'll just kind of use that word because that comes to mind, uh, the frustration of kind of not knowing what this was, that led to some, some as you call them, bad decisions. I think there was, you know, there was uh, self-medication using various things, and that's something many people can identify with. Uh, and then some, uh, I guess, I guess it probably contributed to the end of your first marriage to Wanda, Correct. 
that was that would that would be that would be correct for you to say that. Uh, it would be correct in all manners, but it took a it, it, it happened over a period of time. Each, mm-hmm. You know, it's like you know, guys have knee injuries. Okay, when they first had a knee injury, it's not as bad, but it continues to get worse. It continues right. to get worse. It continues to get worse, and now they towards the end of their career, or they you know they 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 in five six years of their career, and all of a sudden their knee is real bad. Right. Well, my that's what my head injury did. It took on a life of its own gradually over a 10, 11 year period. And then you had you described this kind of aha moment where you heard about another baseball player whose name I forget, who did a head first slide into second base. And when he slid, he whacked his head against the second baseman's knee. And he ended up, I guess, getting a concussion and a brain injury that was, I guess, did you, you saw that happen or you read it in the news? I forget how you learned about it, but it was like, wow, a brain injury. That was kind of like the moment when you said, wow, did that happen to me? Am I telling that correctly? Well, this happened 2010. My, you know, I my I, I suffered my hit. I, I suffered my head injury in two thousand in, in uh, nineteen eighty. Right. Okay. I had a progression of things that happened to me over the years, and that really had me transfixed as far as what was really going on. Because you know, my, you know, it, it got real bad. I mean, it got real bad. And uh, I start, you know, I actually went to a psychiatrist to kind of like sort some things out. And I and I saw this lady for years, hmm. trying to sort myself out. Uh, I was on, I, I you know, I started taking medication sixteen years after the head injury, and the medication helped to a certain but, degree. But at that point, you still weren't sure what the you didn't know what the cause was, right? I didn't. I didn't know. Yeah, I just knew I had issues. Right. But I, I started taking, you know, but, I, you know, I, I had depression. I had a whole lot of things. So I started taking uh, uh, antidepressant. Mm-hmm. Well, it really helped me out, even though people say, well, it wasn't the right medication for me. The antidepressant helped me out. And it, it helped me be to, to focus. It helped me to, to focus. It helped me to deal with things a little better. And, and it's, it, it really revolutionized what I had become and what I was trying to become. I was on the track now of starting to, to get a better life. I made a decision in 1991 to stop drinking alcohol. Right. Okay. I stopped drinking alcohol. Five years later, I got the, I, I, I got the medication. All of a sudden now, another step, another good thing happened. But I still had questions. The question was still there because I can't sleep. You know, I can't concentrate. I can't focus a lot of times. And it's really hard. So I had to do a lot of things. And it just happened that I was doing a lot of the right things and didn't know I was doing a lot of the right things. Right. Didn't it? Didn't you also do, you went through a series of MRIs and scans, correct? Looking for some evidence of brain injury, but they were all negative, correct? Isn't that what yes. I read? So yes. that, that, that was frustrating in itself, I guess, right? Well, to a certain degree it was, but I had, by that time, I had, Again, I had found some answers. Like like you said, uh, Justin Marneau, first baseman for the Minnesota Twins, slid in second base. Ah, that's it. 2010. He slid in second base. He hit his knee. He hit the second baseman's knee with his head. And he was 
he had vertigo. He had all kind of brain issues or issues for a year. And I said, hold on. I, I ran into a wall. And then my wife, who, you know, basically she's a Google, my Google queen. <laughs> we started Googling things. And all of a sudden, you know, we started seeing information. We started, and I started seeing, reading more about concussions and head injuries. And then the head injury thing was also becoming prevalent at that particular time. So I said, well, hey, I, like I said, I ran into a wall and I was out. And of course, we start, we start researching. She found an article that Gene Monahan, who, who was the Yankees trainer for over 40 years, mm -hmm. he retired. And, Gene Mon and they asked Gene Monahan, uh, and, uh, what was the worst injury you ever had to attend to? And he said, Rupert Jones. He said he ran into a wall. He said, and he knocked, and he knocked himself out. He said, we had to get him to start breathing again before we could get him off the field. And see, that was the first time I had ever heard that. That's amazing. And how many years, what, what year was that? This was like 2011. So that's 30, 30, 31 years after your, your injury. That's amazing. Yes. So I it took you that. that long before you finally got a firsthand account of what happened to you. And then that's coming together along with your new meds and, and things are starting to come together a little bit, it sounds like. Yeah, and and Lou Pinello and, and Bobby Mercer was also, you know, boys, you know, you know, you know. I think I think they said Lou Pinello was the first one to come out, and said Lou said he was scared to death. Mm. And then Mercer came over, you know, and and Mercer, you know, they, they you know, and he, he said, yeah, we had. I said I tried to get the chewing the back out of his mouth so he didn't choke him. Ah, jeez, pretty amazing. So, all, so, so all these things started to play into action, man. I'm saying, okay. And then I saw the movie Concussion. Right. That movie did a lot to bring this problem out to the surface, I think. I don't think half the world knew about all the concussions people were getting. Oh. And the CTE and, and the brain damage. Yes. So this and, helped uh, solidify that in your mind that this this is probably what happened to you, huh? I, I saw the movie and I and tears rolled down my my eyes the whole movie because I could equate with everything that these gentlemen was experiencing. Okay. Hmm. All of them lost their family. Because the family, you know, the family sees you at your worst. Because you, you know, you cannot hide, you cannot hide who you are from them because they see you behind closed doors. Right. If you saw me, I could hide what I what, what you know, I could hide or I could I, I could you know you, I could keep away from you. But then they they saw the ugliness of, of, of what I was, what I had become. And uh, I cried the whole movie. And, and, and Andre Waters said something in the movie when he was talking to uh, Dave Dorsey. He said, the voices. He said, I can't. The voices always are going off in my head. Hmm. And I knew exactly what he was talking about. He said, the voices, because I experienced the same thing. Nonstop chatter in my head. Nonstop. And so then you saw, um, you were referred to another, not Dr. Tanaka, that's the lady who you mentioned earlier, the psychiatrist who you saw for a lot of time. But then there was this other doctor who did this lengthy assessment on you. She asked you a million questions and it was like almost a day long process. And she was the one who ultimately diagnosed you with, I think, uh, cognitive disorder, correct? 
yes. that you were bipolar, you know, all that time. Personality you, disorder. All this stuff explained <laughs> so many things that were you were now looking back and it was yes. like, oh my God, this is this is this is doing it now. So that kind of sounds like that was the, the final piece for you, how to pull, piece together the puzzle. Yes. And that was like in 2014. That must have been such a relief to finally know that it's like, wow, I'm not I'm not going crazy. There is a reason why this is all going on. Oh no. It, it was not like I, was, I wasn't going crazy. It was like, I'm not crazy. And that actually I've done pretty dang good to be in the position I'm in right now. Yeah. And so, so you, know, you did, you did dang good as you, you know, as a ball player, despite all the bad stuff that happened, you've got, you know, a great record book. You've got great fond memories. You know, the baseball fans love you and remember you. You're always going to be a Yankee. You're always going to be a Mariner. Um, and, uh, as I said before, you, you, you married the right woman the second time around, um, Betty and you, she wrote the forward to your book. And I, I just want to read the very last paragraph of what she wrote here. She said, Rupert was a man who fought his way up the ranks of professional baseball to make it to the big leagues. He defied the odds and was a champion many times over before being knocked down and put through hell. It was hard for me to watch Rupert suffer from the guilt and shame he carried for so long. I can't imagine what it's like to sit back and witness your body and mind start to change without understanding what's happening or why. It was frustrating for me to deal with it at times, but I admired the way that he continued to fight and continued to search for answers. So many other people would have given up, but Rupert never did, which is the reason why he emerged on the other side, a champion once again. That one paragraph, that that's that's like, that's gold. <laughs> you know, that really is. That is why I wanted her to write the forward. Okay. She, you know, she suggested that we get, you know, have somebody famous do it. I said, no, nobody knows me better than you. Mm -hmm. You know me better than anybody. I, I said, I want you to write the forward. Because it's right. going to be more believable. It's beautiful words. And how long have you guys been married? We, I always tell her I was married the moment I met her. We've been, <sighs> we, we've been together 25 years. We've been married 23 Good for you. Well, that's great. And so tell me quickly about how writing, you, you you got into the writing later in the game, but how did that, you started keeping a daily journal. What did that do for you and why was that beneficial? What I started doing is I started trying to, trying to record positive things that I did because, you know, basically when you got, you know, sometimes your brain can, can, can trick you and, it, you know, it, it talks negatively, negatively to you and you get a negative attitude. So I started doing writing down what I do, keeping a journal, what I do every day, okay? And I would write down, wash the dishes. If I wash the dishes, I write it down. Hmm. Wash the dishes, read my Bible, uh, I meditated, I went to work out, I hit golf balls or whatever, but I would always record. And then in 20, after, I said 2012, 2013, uh, it was suggested that I write a book. My Dr. Tanaka said, you ought to write a book. So I started writing a book. So and how long did that, and, and so you started that quite a few years ago then, right? Writing the book? 2013. Okay. So it took you um, seven, eight years to get through it and to finish it. Now you yes. work with, and you worked with, you collaborated with a gentleman named Ryan Dempsey. So how did that work? Did you basically write it down and then he kind of, you know, kind of helped you along to keep thoughts together or, or what? How did that work? Well, I'll give you the story. This is a story. We wrote 
I wrote the book initially with pencil and paper. Wow. Okay. And then Betty and I would go to Starbucks and I would read it back to her and we, she would transcribe it and put it on the computer. So we went through that. There were times when I had writer's block and I didn't <laughs> write for periods of, long periods of time, which would upset her because she said, we got to finish this book. I said, well, I, I just don't feel it right now. But eventually we finished it. Uh, you ended up writing this with Ryan Dempsey, right? So what yes. was his what was his role? Okay, I I, I read Ryan's book. Uh, he wrote of of Meta World Peace. Run our test. Okay, I like the way he wrote it. So I said Ryan, and I liked it when I met him. I said Ryan, I want this book to sound like me. I don't want this book to sound like you. Oh, beautiful. Okay, so he said okay. So he had me write it again. He mm. made changes. Then he said, all right, write it again. I wrote it again. He made changes. He asked me to write it again. So I rewrote it three times. Jeez. Each time I rewrote it, it was a better product. Wow, no wonder it took eight years. Between Ryan and uh, Petty, it was like, this was a real collaboration. Well, um, Rupert, I can't tell you what a pleasure and an honor it is to have met you and spoken with you. The book is called Never Give Up a memoir of baseball and traumatic brain injury. And calling this a memoir is like calling the Empire State Building a summer home. This is not just a memoir. This is an epic story of survival. I appreciate your time and uh, be well and continue, continue writing. Good to meet you, Rupert. Take care. Okay, you too. Thank you, sir. Great stories, great reads, great audiobooks. Visit TomCransBooks.com for unique and compelling stories in paperback, ebook, and audiobook. That's TomCransBooks, T-O-M-K-R-A-N-Z-Books.com. You deserve a great escape.